Recorded live. Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast by SIA Technologies. My name is Faraz Syed, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I would like to welcome Alex Martins on the podcast. Alex is responsible for leading continuous testing and quality capability for North America at SIA Technologies. In our previous episode with Shamim Ahmed, we talked about continuous delivery and various capabilities that are part of continuous delivery software engineering approach. One of these capabilities was around focusing on quality across the software development lifecycle. When we talk about quality, it's not limited to testing, um, but ensuring quality across the board, from requirements to code to environment. And yes, it includes testing as well. So let's talk to Alex about this topic. Alex, it's great to have you on the podcast. As I mentioned earlier, on the last episode, Shamim and I briefly touched on this topic uh, of continuous testing and quality. So let me start by asking a question. What is the biggest challenge and role of QA organization, in your opinion, um, especially when enterprise organizations are embarking on their continuous delivery journey? Does quality and testing take a new meaning in that aspect? Hi, for us. Um Great to be here, and absolutely, this is uh, actually one of the main um, challenges that QA organizations are facing today is really what, what is my role as a QA team in this, uh, in this transformation journey towards continuous everything. And, uh, you know, in talking, I was just talking last week or two weeks ago, actually, with a hospitality company, and they were really, um, you know, talking to us about how their development teams and, and, and operations teams are, you know, having these conversations about environments and infrastructure and tools. And obviously, uh, that particular QA organization uh, is new to that world. They've, they've never been part of those conversations. So um, when, in, when talking to us, they were looking for guidance on, on how they can really adapt and how they can learn more about that space. And, and what should they do, really, in order to, uh, to you know, earn that seat on the table that now they, they have been given? So uh, it's really about uh, learning more, you know, learning new skills, um, you know, that, so that they can talk more intelligently with developers, with operations teams, uh, and even BAs, right? Because now everything is becoming more continuous, and, and testing or QA is really in the middle of everything. And, they don't want to be the ones that are slowing everything down. So uh, as part of, of that conversation and, and a few others we've been having with different companies, um, QA is really, the QA organization is really trying to upskill themselves um, and, and, and be ready for that, uh, you know, uh, faster world. Um, and, and also uh, making sure that um, uh, not only they have the right skills, but that they are, they are the actual enablers for the successful acceleration of the pipeline. So um, that is really a very hard challenge to tackle today, uh, but, uh, but luckily that particular team is, uh, is kind of starting off on the right foot. Yeah, I mean, we often talk about quality and, and testing, right? I mean, traditionally, if you look at uh, a testing organization, uh, really it was in the center of development and operations. Now, uh, in past couple of years, uh, we've been talking about agile methodologies around software development. We've been talking about continuous delivery. So you have this shift left concept, right, where everything kind of shifts left. Uh, QA organizations, in my mind, have shifted left, but I also kind of see them in, in when, when it comes to continuous delivery, the shift left and the shift right. So, you know, how, in your opinion, how is quality really assessed in that 
context of continuous delivery. Right, and and that's an interesting um, topic as well because as you are getting into more of a continuous delivery, um, you know, type of world, um, and you're shifting left, um, you are in fact doing more testing, right? As one of the the quality-related activities, you're doing more testing up front. So starting even in the requirement phase, uh, as you are preventing defects from, you know, from ever getting into the code as you remove ambiguities from requirements. And as you, as you have the developers, you know, develop the code, uh, the, that code will be inherently, you know, better with less problems. Um, and in addition to that, the developers are also, you know, doing a lot of test-driven development these days uh, in order to accelerate their development, uh, you know, uh, process too. Um, so when the code gets to, for example, a QA environment where a traditional QA organization usually gets involved, um, it is expected that the defect rate will not be that high or will not be as high as traditionally it has been. So, you know, does that mean that, um, qu um, you know, quality is, is great or is not great because we're finding less defects? Uh, I mean, the, the metrics that you're really uh, – that you have been using as a QA team for the past years are not entirely applicable in today's continuous delivery world. You have to think beyond the, that traditional, uh, you know, way of thinking. And uh, so things like, you know, have we been able to uh, find more defects either by the developer or prevent defects from a, a BA, a business analyst perspective? Have we been able to prevent those problems from getting to the code? Those are metrics that today we have to start capturing so that we can assess the overall quality of the entire application and not just the overall quality of whatever, you know, the QA team touches on. Uh, similarly, as you shift to the right, like you were saying, um, the testing activity or the testing responsibility that from a uh, quality organization perspective doesn't end when you finish your testing in, in the QA and pre-production environment. You have to all, uh, also think about how do you uh, measure the, uh, the customer experience in production, right? Uh, usually that, that type of role uh, or that type of activity has not been uh, part of, you know, the, the, the QA organization's um, uh, roles and responsibilities, but we're seeing that today uh, the the customer experience is really sometimes even more important than the than you know whatever testing has been taking place in the pre-production environment. So we're seeing a lot of um, movement from the QA organizations to get more engaged in production uh, through um, you know um, application performance monitoring solutions, so that they can learn, for example, how is the user you know journeys. Um, uh, taking place in the actual uh, in the actual application um, from a real user point of view, and taking those learnings and applying those learnings into the uh, QA artifact, so that you know in the next release in the next sprint, uh, the QA activities can you know be further enhanced and then if possible you know automated as much as as possible. So that's one of the the you know the the, the things that we're seeing uh, from a shift left and right perspective. Uh, that's great because, um, you know, I want to kind of shift left in our conversation and talk about that and we'll shift right. So one of the, the, the things you mentioned around was around uh, test-driven uh, test development, right? Uh, it's a concept that I'm seeing that our customers are adopting. Um, I'm also seeing that in traditional uh, quality, 
quality testing or testing, QA, uh, you have requirements and you have test cases. And a lot of times, these requirements and test cases don't match over a period of time, and they take their own uh, life of their own, so to speak. Uh, in test-driven development, you actually try to solve that problem. So from your perspective, um, what, what's your opinion around that? I mean, how do you really optimize your requirements and, and test cases uh, from the point of view of, of test-driven development and just generally from continuous delivery perspective? Right. So um, we're seeing a lot of um, activities um, around um, making or having requirements described in a better way, right, from a shift-left standpoint. And as, as that takes place, um, you know, a lot of organizations are, you know, going agile, uh, you know, going down that journey as well. So if, if we're really talking about user stories, um, you know, similar thing. How can we make sure that we have the user stories described at the right level so that developers can, can develop and the testers can test? Um, so if we, if we approach it from that angle, um, you know, the developer will take, for example, the acceptance criteria of a user story and will start, you know, writing the test um, so that, um, so that they, you know, he, that acceptance criteria can be met. Uh, once that test is written, that's when they will start writing the code so that uh, that particular criteria is actually met, uh, you know, once that code is, is, is run. Um, and then if you go more towards the, the, the QA organization, that's when they'll, they'll do more of an acceptance test-driven development, uh, which is really taking the, um, the different pieces of code from the, from the developer and, uh, and, you know, based on the user story, they will start writing those acceptance uh, criteria, uh, test cases uh, in the QA environment. And, and they'll, you know, once that code from the developer is deployed to the QA environment, they'll be running those, uh, those tests. So from, uh, from that perspective, you have um, a one-to-one -one match, so to speak, uh, in different levels, at the QA level as well as uh, from a developer's level, where uh, you're not, you know, you're, you're preventing that discrepancy you talked about, where uh, in the traditional world, I, as a tester, I would uh, read the requirement or the user story, and I would, based on my interpretation, start designing different types of test cases. And obviously, experience is, is, is really what, uh, what usually counts the most in those cases. So the more experienced the tester uh, was, uh, the more, um, you know, uh, different techniques that tester knew um, you know, the more test cases would be created. So by kind of leveraging, you know, test-driven development at the developer level and acceptance test-driven development or ATDD at the tester level, you're kind of addressing that, um, you know, in a more direct, more direct way and, and making, um, making your testing process, uh, you know, a little better or more efficient. Yeah, that's uh, that's. Good to know. I mean, uh, we also heard, we also hear about continuous everything concept, right? I mean, I was talking to Shamim about this uh, in a previous podcast, and we touched on continuous testing. What does really co continuous testing really mean? What's uh, what's the purpose behind it? What's the process? And what's the practice uh, of continuous testing? Right. Yeah, continuous testing. I mean, in, in continuous delivery, as you go through that journey, continuous testing is definitely a very key element in there. And it's really about the practice of, 
thinking about testing, um, you know, across the different uh, teams and environments. So, if in for example, if we are in 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 development, uh, we are doing the um, obviously if we're doing if we're using a, the TDD technique or the test-driven development, like we said, that is uh, inherently you know doing testing in development. Um, uh, you know, without being as an extra, without being seen as an extra activity, but also if we think in development, uh, if we are creating or if we are, um, you know, building our CI or continuous integration uh, mechanisms, right? Um, we are going to have triggers to, you know, to provision environments uh, automatically. We are we are going to create triggers to, um, you know, start uh, code quality scans, code security scans. Uh, all of those triggers, all of those rules uh, also have to be tested, right? Because as you are, as the code of the application is evolving um, over time, um, you have to update those triggers. You have to update the environment configuration. Maybe now the, that code requires a different version of a uh, JVM so that it can run. Maybe it requires an additional, um, you know, web server or app server. Uh, so all of those um, Things that happen uh, also from an infrastructure perspective have to be tested by someone. It doesn't matter who that person is. If, if, if that person, usually today, for the most part, it's the developer's responsibility, and they do that without thinking about it too much. Um, mm -hmm. But over time, as we, you know, have been working with different companies, uh, we're seeing a lot of those responsibilities also kind of being taken over by more skilled, um, you know, testers, uh, which is part of the evolution of their role. Uh, and then if you go to QA, right, uh, it's uh, continuous testing is really about um, doing all of those uh, environment level activities we, we were just talking about, but really thinking about full test automation on, at the code level. And then you're talking about having your smoke test suite, about, uh, you're talking about having your regression testing suites, um, but also thinking about doing test, test automation within the sprint and not just, um, you know, thinking about automating your test after the, the completion of that sprint, after the code is stable, because that's, that, that used to be a requirement, right, for you to start doing functional test automation or even performance for, for that matter. Uh, you, the, the premise is that you have to have the, the, the application code stable. So that, that has changed in the continuous delivery world. Uh, the, you know, tools today are much better at supporting, you know, parallel, uh, you know, scripting for, for the test automation scripts as well as the performance. So, um, and then if you go to pre-production and even production, you know, with monitoring, you, you are, in fact, you know, doing uh, testing and production by monitoring certain uh, user journeys, by doing synthetic monitoring uh, on certain scenarios so that you can understand how, your application is behaving, how the, the users are using your application, and, and bringing that knowledge back into the you know, next sprint for you to actually apply, apply updates to the application. So if you think about all of those different levels of testing across the entire continuous delivery pipeline, that's really what it means. It's that we are always testing. Uh, everybody's responsible for doing testing in their own world, uh, and the ultimate outcome is really a better product. It's amazing how far we have come. I mean, I'm, you, you know that uh, you and I both come from a testing background, and uh, I remember 15 years ago uh, as uh, as a performance testing engineer. Um, performance testing used to be the last thing you do before you go into production, um, and it was kind of unthinkable at that point where you could do 
performance testing in development, as you kind of talked about. Um, and oftentimes, I, I even had customers where we tried performance testing a application, uh, and we made a decision, we got to go in production, you know, with two weeks of uh, performance testing. Looks like all that has changed. That's kind of completely shifted. And the tester's role seems to be very complex. So in your mind, what is the new age quality assurance tester? What are the skill set? What do they look like uh, in, in this world of continuous delivery? Right. <laughs> That's a great a great point. And uh, um, what I can say is uh, in, in working on the space, like you said, for, for many years and, and really helping different companies uh, more recently, as they go through that transformation, we're seeing a major shift in the, in the testers' uh, skills, right, the, the, the required skills. So they're having to learn a lot more about uh, how, developer, how developers actually develop their code. What do they need so that they can integrate their code into the main branch? And, uh, and then what happens right after that code is, is, uh, is integrated? How does it get built and, and deployed and, uh, and, and so on? Uh, similarly, uh, we're also seeing a lot of um, a lot of testers uh, focusing more and more on on the user um, on, on the user behavior. So we're kind of seeing this kind of branch in in, uh, in 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 the tester role. So some of them are focusing on specializing on the user side of things, really understanding the user journeys, uh, the user expectations, uh, and so on. And some testers are, are focusing more on expanding their technical skills and so that they can uh, work more closely with the developers and the operations teams and so that they can actually help uh, the entire organization build the enablers for getting to a continuous everything state. Uh, so as an example, the tester, we're seeing a lot of testers now uh, helping developers um, with, uh, you know, with code uh, code. Uh, code scan setup, right? So they're trying to understand um, what what is uh, what does it take to write quality code? What are the, the the different parameters that should be configured in a quality code scan uh, process, and and so on. And then they become responsible for setting those up so that when the developer you know uh, is about to check in the, their code, those scans run, and the, and the developer doesn't have to worry about you know, well, did I set the parameters right? Did I do this right? So it's more seamless to the developer. So the tester is not just doing their regular testing or test automation as, as they are expected to do, but they're actually enabling the developers to do a better job, a more efficient job, uh, and really focusing on, on uh, you know, on, on writing code, writing quality code, I should say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I also wonder if uh, if the testers now are even moving further left and working with the business analyst and defining those requirements um, and uh, you know defining those test cases. So, what's 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 your opinion uh, on that topic? Yeah, uh, that's a, a major um, improvement that we are seeing, you know, today because we've always, as as test pr uh, testing practitioners, we've always asked to be involved uh, early on, right, in the project. Uh, hey, we've always used to say, hey, Mr. Project Manager, as you are, um, you know, starting up the project, kicking off the project, please, you know, just leave us, just let us get in the room and, and listen in. I mean, we're going to be, you know, better prepared to uh, to help the entire team. Um, that, in, in many cases, for the most part, never, never happened. Uh, testing was always kind of involved later on. 
But today what we're seeing is since we are all talking about building quality into the application and not just testing for quality, uh, we're seeing the doors have opened for, for not only the tester but the operations team to also be more involved in the requirements gathering phase um, and, you know, backlog grooming uh, uh, activities and so on. So um, many testers are working much closer to the business analysts, the product owners, uh, and as, they, as those stakeholders write those requirements, the testers are being able to provide inputs uh, so that those requirements are, you know, are, are more clear. They are, they, you know, all the ambiguities are removed, or for the most part, they are cleaner. Um, and, you know, in that way, the developers will write better code. The testers will write, you know, better tests and so on. So that's, and there are many techniques, many solutions that have just emerged recently that enable the testers to, to play a huge role in that initial phase of, of the life cycle by modeling the requirements in a way that uh, you can automatically generate a lot of the downstream artifacts that are used in, in testing. Yeah, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about model-based testing, and I think we need a whole episode just to talk about that. But from <laughs> from a high level, I mean, what, what does model-based testing mean, just as an overview? Okay, very quickly, model-based testing means um, modeling the requirements uh, or user stories in such a way where uh, from that model, you are able to um, add different layers, uh, such as the uh, test data layer to that model, uh, such as the, um, the interfaces or the APIs, uh, also the, the automation, the test automation layer. Uh, so you can imagine this model uh, of a requirement, which is essentially a visual, a visual workflow or an active workflow. And then on top of that workflow, you have these different layers that tie everything together. So with that model, uh, which is basically the requirement in a visual format, uh, you can, you, you know, you have many solutions that allow you to generate the, the, test, case, uh, the test data, um, uh, either by looking for test data in a repository, bringing it down to a, a, a test a data mark, or by actually generating synthetic data, but the data will be provisioned. The data will be, um, um, you know, made available to, to the testers, and then you will generate automatically the manual test cases, you know, for organizations that still need the test case. Uh, those test cases will be matched to the test data that they need so that they can be executed. Uh, also, the APIs will be provisioned if they exist. If they do not exist, they will uh, be um, virtualized. You know, the virtual instance of that API will be provisioned so that the test can be run. And ultimately, the, uh, the, test, uh, the automated test, the automated scripts uh, in Selenium, UFT, you know, whatever language that particular team may be using, all of those scripts will be automatically generated from that model. So uh, model-based testing is really about focusing on building uh, the, the visual representation of a, of a requirement and automatically generating all of those different artifacts we talked about, so data, um, uh, interfaces uh, and uh, automated scripts. And uh, so now if you think that you're doing for the first time, that's great, but think about longer term, right? Everybody's moving to agile. You're doing this multiple times. There's always changes to those requirements. In the traditional uh, world, you would have to go back to your test cases, um, manual or automated, and manually you know, uh, uh, create them again or ma manually update them again 
after you identify the impact. Now, if you think about model-based testing, if you have that model, once you update the model to reflect the new requirement, all of those artifacts are automatically generated. So it's huge time savings. It's really helping organizations uh, truly achieve the, the continuous delivery acceleration that everybody is looking for um, and, uh, you know, and, and really take it to the next level. Yeah, and, and one of the other, I think, benefits of this is that uh, when you do change a requirement or a test case, then you, um, every, all the artifacts are updated automatically up and down the stream. Is that, is that correct as well? That's exactly correct. That's the, 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 mo the biggest benefit is really in the, uh, in, the, in the change impacts analysis or the automated change impacts analysis, I should say. Uh, and, and it's really something we've always envisioned, right? I remember back in 2009 trying to implement, you know, model-based testing, but the technology at the time was, was really uh, subpar. Well, it was not subpar. It was really good, but it required, um, you know, rocket scientists to make it work. And obviously um, that, that was too much. But, uh, you know, today, I mean, we do have, you know, the, the same level of technology, but we have abstracted all of that complexity. So it's much easier uh, to do that. And, you know, the, the regular testers in the organization today, um, you know, are more than capable to, uh, to achieve that acceleration through model-based testing. Yeah, and, and, you know, as we all know, we have a product called Agile Requirement Designer, which actually allows you to do that. Um, the other aspect that I've heard you talk to over customers, uh, Alex, especially around the Agile Requirement Designer, is optimizing test cases to uh, get better testing coverage. Can you talk a little bit about the coverage, test coverage challenges that you see, uh, uh, you know, with the customers you talk to? Yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, many traditional testing organizations, you, you find those, you know, thousands of test cases that are just laying around in a, you know, test management tool. Um, and for the most part, those test cases have not been updated over time, right? As, you've, as the applications have gone through different releases um, and, and ma major changes, um, and also the testing team has changed, right? Maybe the, the company has switched vendors or just had some, you know, attrition. So uh, a lot of those test cases in, in, in that repository become outdated. So one of the things, you know, Agile Requirements Designer, uh, you know, helps us do is really optimize that test case repository by actually, um, you know, identifying um, the the the, the test cases that are duplicates, you know, you have many because different teams are building test cases sometimes for the same functionality. So there are many duplications, or there's a lot of duplication, there's a lot of outdated tests. So as you uh, bring those tests into into the solution and you um, you optimize them, you can send them back to the to the test ma the test management test management tool uh, in in a much you know in a much better shape. So you're essentially uh, not only making the test case better, you are reducing the number of tests, right, because you are removing things that are not necessary anymore, but you're also measuring the coverage, the testing coverage that, uh, that you are, in fact, achieving today. And you're mathematically doing that because it's all calculated by, um, you know, by a series of algorithms in the tool. And again, it goes back to the model-based testing conversation we're having, right? So as you have these visual models with these different paths possible paths, you know uh, precisely what you are testing and what you are not testing. 
do you have a task for this path or not? So based on those uh, characteristics, you're able to say I'm covering, for example, 72% or 13% of, of my requirement. Is that something acceptable? Or if not, you know, then you can basically increase the, the testing coverage by adding different uh, tests uh, into your repository. And, and that's how that solution helps us really make sure that we have the appropriate uh, you know, test coverage as we move forward after we have optimized that repository. Awesome, awesome. I think, uh, Alex, you and I can have probably uh, multiple episodes talking about uh, model-based testing and uh, test case optimizer, optimizing test cases. Uh, by the way, I hear that you have a, a blog on DZone, and uh, as of this morning, I think we had around 10,000 views uh, on that blog, so congratulations on that. Uh, would you like to share your uh, uh, Twitter handle on the podcast? Sure thing. I mean, if uh, anybody listening to us wants to get in touch and uh, just, you know, have a conversation about quality in general, I mean, that's really uh, my passion. You can uh, just uh, find me on Twitter and uh, um, also LinkedIn um, by Alex Martins IT, everything together, Alex Martins IT. And, uh, you know, let's, let's start talking. Great, great. Uh, Alex, thank you. Uh, I'm excited and look forward to having more discussion with you. Folks, the podcast is available on iTunes Store. You can search for Continuous Delivery 101 Podcast by SIA Technologies, and you will find this podcast. My Twitter handle is at FuzzSyed, F-U-Z-Z-S-Y-E-D, FuzzSyed. Stay tuned for the next podcast. Thank you.